0: The following episode of True Stories based on fiction can and will contain explicit language and adult content. Listener discretion is advised. So, uh, a few weeks ago, um, I had the pleasure of connecting with uh, artist extraordinaire, Ron Garney via Twitter. And he agreed to come on the show after I told him that we were going to put on the best Ron Garney interview in the history of Ron Garni inter- interviews. And that, of course, is hyperbole. But I think that we did actually... Um, I mean, at the end of the of the interview, you hear what Ron has to say about himself. So not to toot our own horn, but I think it turned out pretty well. So in the course of our interview... And so, of course, you can't talk about every project that Ron has done because he's done literally everything imaginable at at Marvel and some work at DC as well. But in the course of our conversation, we talk about um, his upcoming run on Conan. Well, Savage Sword of Conan coming out today as this is released. Uh, We go back to his work on Captain America uh, several times. We talk about his work on Men of Wrath. Uh, We talk about... Silver Surfer a little bit Amazing Spider-Man During Civil War So a myriad And a litany Of amazing things Um I, There really isn't much I, I, I have to say About this interview That The interview itself Will not Uh adequately Illustrate Like he does so well Um So I hope you guys Enjoyed this interview As much as we enjoyed Uh Conducting it with Ron So until then Enjoy
1: The following episode Exactly 10 minutes to decide if you really want to know you have failed this city let's face it this is not the worst thing you've done Mm
0: true stories based on fiction The worst <laughs> <laughs> That's not how Skype works, right? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, also <laughs> yeah, uh, this is Evan again, and now I have my co host Brian here. Hello,
1: Evan and Brian That's sounds right. like uh, a shady duo, if you ask me.
0: That's actually very true. <laughs> 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 oh, um, also, uh So you know, so this uh, podcast is an explicit podcast, so if you want to curse, feel free, because we probably, I I definitely will, I definitely will, I can't speak for Brian on that.
1: It just depends on what we're talking about, my level of cursing goes up and down, you know. Same. So ask me lots of curse-worthy questions. Perfect,
0: Perfect. because mine goes from high to very high.
1: (laughs) How's your morning going this morning? good it's cold here but i don't know where you guys where are you guys from michigan yeah so you know what it's like it's exactly it's fucking freezing <laughs> and there we go
0: there's a very thin layer of ice on the roads this morning and uh it, it, you, can, you didn't always notice it but i slid a few times
1: oh you did i could
0: have died but i'm you here you slid
1: on your feet or in the car in the car i oh, slid okay. on my feet getting out of the car here <laughs> i thought it was a little backwards when i was uh younger we used to Grab a hold of the back of a truck in the streets when it was during snowstorms and have the truck pull us. We tried it on our feet a couple of times and that did not end well. So we got a doorway, an old junk door, and we would slide around the streets on the door with the truck pulling us. That
0: sounds so, dangerous.
1: Back to it, the future it style. Was fun. <laughs> Dane. Yeah, okay. So take care, guys. <laughs>
0: Um. So yeah. So uh, anything else that we should talk about before we get started? Started? I, I don't. I don't think so. I
1: thought we were started already.
0: I mean, I, I said started started. I mean, so we already started before we actually started like the uh, you know like the real guts,
1: <laughs> the real hardcore guts of this thing.
0: <laughs> okay. So as today falls February 13th of 2019, uh, Savage Sword of Conan One is coming out. So Ron Garding. Yes. How did that work come about? How did they ask you to do it? And how do you feel about Marvel uh, taking over the Conan license for the first time in, what, 30 years, maybe? 40?
1: Wait, how many questions is that? Five. (laughs) (laughs) So how did me coming on Conan come about? Um, Well, like they all do, it starts with a phone call or an email uh, from an editor, and they say hey really want to talk to you about something and that's where it began and um so I heard from the editor his name's Mark Basso and uh, he explained to me that uh Marvel was licensing out from conian Properties the uh the character to to put out a few books and um it was a you know one of the characters I had never sunk my teeth into and um you know and I I it, it's one I you know, I choose characters based on whether they resonate with me right away. Anyone that I haven't instantly felt sort of a connection with in my head when I, when I'm approached with the idea of doing it has never really turned out well for me, but this was one where I instantly felt it. It resonated like artistically in my brain, how I would approach it, I guess. And, uh, and so it sounded like fun, you know, and Jerry Duggan is the writer and, uh, you know so and he's writing a great script it's fun um, so I'm I'm having a good time on it
0: <clears throat>
2: what uh dis- distinguishes that uh, the new series that you're writing from the uh, Conan the Barbarian that Jason Aaron's writing honestly I
1: really don't know other than <laughs> <laughs> mine is a uh, you know self-contained five issue arc I'm not on it regularly it's just a oh. five issue arc and then they have another cre- another creative team on it after that so Savage Sword I believe we're going to be, uh, you know, arcs done by different teams. Um, okay. So I'm on it for five issues. Sorry to disappoint you. I think we're <laughs> under the impression that it's an ongoing thing, but it's not. I, Conan the Barbarian is with Mahmood, I think, um, and okay. Jason Aaron. But um, you know, I don't. That's the only, that as far as story wise, I don't know really, really the difference. I don't know what's going on over there. Yeah. And I, unfortunately, I haven't read it, so right. I love Mahmoud's art. He's you know he's fantastic. So I, I want to pick it up. And I was able to pick up the
2: first issue. It was pretty good. Highly recommended.
1: Good, 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 good. Well, Jason's you know can't go wrong with Jason. He's a great writer. Thanks.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think the Savage Sword of Conan, even back in the day, was like more of a anthology series than like the Conan. Right. Yeah. So yeah. So
1: that they're getting that back. Makes sense. That.
0: Yeah.
2: It's definitely interesting to see Marvel going like full tilt right back into uh, Conan um, being gone for so long.
1: Honestly, I think it's needed. I mean, there's been so much going on uh, over the last few years, and I just think you know um, we need that fantasy, you know, the the escape. And I love doing. um, I think comics in general should be an escape. You know, I don't, don't, you know, I don't want to go into comics and personally read about politics or anything else. I just like, I want the escape. And, uh, I mean, that's what got me into it when I was young. Um, and I think Conan, uh, in this book, you know, it's, it's more, it's more that kind of thing where it's, you know, it's set in a different time period, you know, the Hyborian age and all that. And, uh, um, so it's just fun to, 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 you know, I'm, I'm all about that anyways. The most fun I have is when I get to explore different time periods even though this one doesn't really exist completely. I mean, but it's based on ancient, you know, uh, ancient history in a way. Um, right. So it's just fun to, to go down that road. And, um, you know, so that's where I'm at with it. So um,
0: mentally, did you go back to your work on uh, Son of Hawk to kind of get like, a, uh, like to the right mode for this uh, new Conan book?
1: Not at all. Oh, <laughs> Not at all. Honestly, I love Greg Pack. I love what he has done. You know, he did with all that. Um, but I, I just didn't. For some reason, I didn't enjoy that working on that. I really? think I, on well, for a couple of reasons, nothing to do with Greg. It just was. Um, it was so fast. They, they needed the, you know, the art turned around in like a few weeks for the first issue. Mm-hmm. It has to do it. So they said, hey, can you do on on Hulk? I'm like, yeah, here's the catch is, what, you know, it has to come out in three weeks or whatever. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> or a month or something, you know, maybe I'm undercutting it a little bit. But so there was so much to, to, to soak in because of that whole Planet Hulk world. And so many characters and you know and it was it kind of made my head spin right away I mean I did it but i don't I don't feel like it was artistically my best you know a shining moment for me I had come off of um, uh Wolverine get mystique and, yes. and that was um I had so much fun on that and i you know I had a little bit of time to do it and I feel like it's one of the higher points of my career and mm. Uh, it was the first time I'd gotten to work with uh, you, know, uh, an, a, you know an you know an up and coming superstar. <laughs> right. it's not the first time I've, I've gotten to work with a great writer, um but you know somebody who was gonna be as great as Jason, you know yeah um, who hadn't hadn't quite hit their mark yet. so um, it was a great story when I read it. It was that time period thing know, it was jumping back and forth, and plus, I love westerns and um, You know, so I had so much fun on that. And then to go from that to something I had to turn over really fast and soak all that in, it was just a little bit, uh, it just didn't feel, I wasn't feeling it. And the pencils, you know, because I was doing a lot of um, mostly pencil work. Right. Like, and it's pencils. I wasn't able to put the finishes on the Hinnett's pencils the way I liked, so a lot of it came out very rough and not as as cool looking as Get Mystique had looked with the pencil work because you know I think that the enhanced pencils uh, really can look absolutely stellar or it can look absolutely atrocious. <laughs> but you have to you have to be careful with it to, to get it to look absolutely stellar. So there's a real special quality to it if it's done right, and I still believe in it. But if you do it fast, it's it's just going to fall apart. So see. Um- Here's two crazy points about that, Ron. Um, one,
0: <laughs> I prefer... <laughs> crazy points.
1: I like the way you prefaced it with that. Like crazy. Uh,
0: the first one isn't too crazy, but I kind of prefer your, your pencils, just pencils, than a color that way. Um, in the last few years, everything you've done in that style has been my favorite of yours. But secondly, though, here's the crazy part to you, probably. I thought that Son of Hawk was done in that kind of rough... Um, Gritty style on purpose, and I like that as well. But now you just killed the dream. Well,
1: no, it was, it was. I mean, I'm not saying that it wasn't. You are crazy. Um, no, just kidding. No, it was, um, it was done on that. But you have to be careful um, with it. In that, you know, it can get, it, you know, if you don't have the time to put the details in where they need to be put in, it ends up just looking like a rushed, sloppy job. That said, the, you know, I agree with you 100% that the the roughness of the pencil works great to, it worked on Wolverine, get Mystique. I I didn't, I didn't have to rush through that and, you know, all the details were there. So it really worked to its advantage. I just think that on Scar, it, you know, there wasn't enough development in the pencil work. So
2: now, did you have any, uh, hand in the designing of uh, Scar or was that something that was already done?
1: Um, I had seen, no, I think, I'm trying to remember, it was a while ago. Um, now, they had sent me some designs by Carlos Pagualaian, right. I think his name is, and, yeah. you know, it was all there. Um, you know, it was there already. <clears throat> his, you know, it was based on his designs. Okay, so. gotcha. Um, He's brilliant, too, you yeah. know, great artist.
0: He's killing it on Deathstroke right now.
1: Oh, is he? Yeah, I, I don't get to follow it where yeah. a lot of these guys end up. so. Mm-hmm. Um, Back to Conan for just a second because <laughs> I have a joke.
0: <laughs> um. Is that a joke I'm going to swear at? It's a joke that you might not comment on because you're a company <laughs> man.
1: <laughs> well.
0: <there they> <laughs> All right, so Marvel buys a license from Conan. Marvel is purchased by Disney a few years back, and they take over Star Wars. So my joke's last question is, do you think that Marvel is trying to uh, send Dark Horse out of business?
1: Wait, start that over again? Okay. Marvel we got the rights to Conan. Conan,
0: who was published previously by Dark Horse.
1: Dark, Dark Horse.
0: Yeah, from Dark Horse. A F- few I- years back, we got a license to Star Wars books from who?
1: Dark Horse. Yeah, no, I don't know. I I mean, I can't imagine that Dark Horse, had they wanted to, they wouldn't have just kept the rights. I mean, you know, if the rights are are there, I mean, they they can't take the rights from Dark Horse. I don't know how that would work. I can't imagine Marvel is in the business of being, and I'm not saying this is a a company (laughs) man. I can't imagine they'd be that petty. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. they're, such, they're such a big company that, right. you know, and and I would I would hope if that discussion ever were to be had by anyone there who is responsible for that kind of thing, I would hope that they'd be mature enough to understand the the benefits of competition, you know, sure. and not try to put other companies out of business. Because you can't have a, you can't corner the market to such a degree that, you know, you thin the herd to the point where, you know, there's not a healthy competition which, which encourages creativity. And, you know, and competition is, you know, this the day and age we're living in is a little wacky because competition is That's good true. for everything. You know, yes. it keeps things young, it keeps things vital, it keeps things growing because you have to outdo, you know, creativity keeps going and you because you have to find avenues to outdo your competitor and then that you know and that's just you know obviously competition can be bad in some ways like in a nuclear arms race (laughs) or something you know that's when it's not good but you know in the in as far as innovation invention technology um entertainment uh, you know whatever it is competition is the best thing i mean you know um, meritocracy, competition—you know, those are all good things. So, I can't imagine. I would hope that they—they they wouldn't, you know, view anything like that from that through that lens. That they have to put them out of business because that'd be silly. It would. So,
2: well, if you see Marvel start making aliens uh, comic What's books, that? start seeing Marvel make
1: aliens or Predator comic books or something <laughs> like that, then the- yeah, then you might, yeah, then it gets a little bit, yeah, then you'd be like, okay, maybe there's something <laughs> yeah. going on, right? It is good
2: to see Marvel kind of venturing out from just a standard comic book,
1: superhero, superhero yeah.
2: uh, books, so, like getting into the Star Wars universe. Yeah, and I think the,
1: maybe they're trying to bring back a you know a base that you know might have been leaving. I don't know, you know, um, I don't know. It's interesting because I thought I read somewhere that they're actually
2: going to be introducing Conan into the Avengers, or it'll wow. be some sort of crossover. Um, I don't know if it's like a multiversal type thing, but I know Jason Aaron writing both, uh, right. Avengers or yeah, Avengers and
1: Conan. Who knows? Right. right, right. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about that, but that yeah, would be that's news. a little bizarre, but <laughs> interesting. You know, I can't imagine a Cap Conan crossover or anything, but, um, Hey, you never know. Stranger things have happened.
0: Yeah. Um, so when I was saying company, man, I said it because uh, you're probably the only artist I can think of now, <laughs> who's who's ninety percent of their output output has been for one company. Uh, for a while, that was John John Romita Jr., but you know he went over to DC a few years ago. Um, yeah. So I, as far as we could see, uh, you've only done one story for DC, right?
1: I worked on JLA for. I was at DC for what was it? Two years, I did two years worth of JLA stories there. Um, yeah, so yeah, predominantly Marvel. Um, you know, it's not the you know, I don't know what to say, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, I, you know, I don't know if there's a question there or not, but yeah, that's true.
0: Yes, there, there actually is, Ron. And the question is, um, so how <laughs> how did the DC work come about? <laughs>
1: Hmm. how did the DC work come about? Um, uh, again, it's such a long time ago. It was, what, 2002, something like that. Um, I remember how it came about. I think my contract came up. And, uh, well, the thing with DC, I was originally offered Batman, um, Superman. Okay. And I was kind of bait and switched there. You know? <laughs> Oh, so well, that like sounds a, like a good story. Hey, Superman, that was a, obviously a character I always wanted to do. Uh-huh. Contract was up with Marvel. And at that time, um, I'll take my own share of responsibility. And I wasn't really doing anything that was knocking it out of the park. I mean, it was, it was a frustrating time. I was going through some eh, some personal stuff. Um, well, some fairly major personal stuff, but, you know, that was affecting my ability to focus on work. Okay, And... Um, I think I was on X Men at the time and a couple of things. And I just, you know, my heart wasn't really into it at that point. Um, and I, honest, to be perfectly frank, I needed the change. Okay. Uh, because Marvel at that point for me, I'm not saying it's like this was like this for anyone else, just for me personally, it was a roller coaster ride. You know, it was uh, I'm on cap, I'm off cap, I'm on this, I'm off that. I got replaced because for a hotter artist here or, you know, and it's not, I'm not whining about it. I get it. It's business, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it was just very difficult because it felt very unstable, you know? And then my personal life became rather unstable for a couple of reasons. And, um, so it was just a really weird time. And I just needed the change creatively speaking to, you know, to, to do something else, you know? Um, I wanted to ink my own stuff, and, uh, you know, and it was – I was offered Superman, and um, so I just, you know, I just needed a change. So um, I ended up going in, talking with the editor, uh, and uh, they said, hey, we got a great idea. We'd love for you to do JLA, and I was apprehensive at first because I'm not really a team book thing guy. I, I do better on single characters because I tend to apply my own sort of look to them to the whole book that, that gives it a feel. You know, when you're doing a team book, it's like you end up – for me, it ends up watering down my contribution because, you know, you can't do – I can't do Captain America – I won't draw Captain America the same way I would draw Daredevil, you know, um, as far as the overall look and feel of so it's hard to do them both because you have to sort of – I mean it might be interesting to do that actually now that I think about it. Do a team book and apply a different style to every <laughs> character, you know. That would be interesting. And hard work too, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and hard work. Be a little weirdly, oddly inconsistent. <laughs> kind of cool. So anyway, um, yeah. You know, so when I was offered the team thing on JLA, I was a little apprehensive and I was like, oh, I really want to do Superman. But they said, oh, you, can, you know – do JLA and then you can jump over to Superman at some point and I'm like okay you know but that didn't happen so yeah. um, I did JLA for six first six issues with Chuck Austin I think it was yes. and then um, who <laughs> at the time was uh, the pariah of the industry I guess Absolutely, <laughs> later, you know and um, we had done X-Men on you know so you know we went over there and Um, And then he left the business, I guess, because of all the hate he was receiving. Um, But um, you guys ran him out. (laughs) and um, So then uh, Kurt Busick came on and, um, yeah, so I I had fun with it, you know, to a degree. I mean, again, when I tried to ink my own stuff on the first part of – on the first half with Chuck Austin, it was a lot of work. And again, it was me feeling my way through. I had never really actually inked a whole book. You know, I've Mm -hmm. inked inked a lot of things, but just covers and things like that. I'd never done the actual amount of work to pencil and ink a whole series like that. So it was a great learning experience. And towards the end of my inking experience, you know, things start, I started really getting the hang of it better. And, you know, because I was experimenting with a lot of styles. Uh, not a lot of styles, but just experimenting with how I was going to approach it. And um, so, yeah. So then I ended up getting Dane Green to ink me on JLA after that. And uh, that's where we – that's where I, I came back to Marvel. They offered me Spider-Man.
0: Ah, okay. So then um, how did you approach coming back to Marvel in regards to your style? Because I would say from, say, Captain America – to your DC work, to coming back to Spider-Man, um, there's definitely, uh, a change in, in your artwork.
1: Uh, from Captain America to Spider-Man?
0: Well, from Captain America to DC to Spider-Man, of course, so we all evolve over time, but, but was there like a conscious uh, change in your artwork when you came back to Marvel or just like, just, just
1: keeping on with the evolution well, from JLA? I'll be honest with you. You know what? You know what it is. A lot of it, um, It certainly was experimenting with, uh, well, trying to grow as an artist and trying to find get a foothold on what your particular brand might be. But there's a few reasons. One is that I have a short attention span, Hmm. and and that's a negative way of putting it. Another way of putting it is that I tend to like to explore. I'm a very adventurous person and that includes in my art. That's why I like doing time periods um, is that I just have this restless sort of spirit and, and it shows through my art in that, um, you know, I'm always trying different things. You know, I'm, I, you know, a lot of guys that are very successful, you know, like Alex or, or you know, Adam Hughes or somebody or Jim Lee um, who you know, they find their style and they stick and they develop that, develop and develop and develop until it gets, to, you know, they become what they are. And, um, for me, I've always been a little bit more restless and always, I love trying different things, um, trying to apply different techniques or different, you, know, uh, you know, do more figure drawing, better figure drawing. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a period of time where I just focused on figure drawing and give two shits really about the, so much the finishes, you know, the inks, as much as I cared about drawing things correctly. And right. you can see the evolution of it that I was, you know, that I had a lot to learn, you know. So I'm still, I, you always do. Um, so there's that. And plus, my style a lot was tailored to inkers. Okay. I noticed that when I started my career, I worked with uh, the great Tom Palmer, who's a dear friend. Um mm-hmm. uh, and he had a, he had a finishing style, um, you know. He was doing finishes over everybody, and he's so great at what he did. The catch to that, I was honored to work with him. The catch to that was that you didn't see a whole lot of yourself right. underneath it. So right from the get-go, it was like, wow, I get to work with Tom Palmer. I mean, you know, it was it was it was tickled to you know that getting in the business, I was able to do that. And then over time, I started, you know, craving to see my what my stuff would look like out from underneath that printed, you know. Yeah, um,
0: sure.
1: So I, you know, and I explained it to Tom and he understood completely. And um, so I started working with other anchors and, um, you know, and that was a real eye opener, Um because you know it was the best of times and the worst of times you know and i was working with guys like alec um uh al williamson Mm -hmm. and there was a guy chris ivy and uh and i worked with klaus jansen and dan green and i got to work with a lot of great guys uh, bob wyachek you know and right uh sal Busema. um you know and working with sal i you know i went very 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 tight in the pencils and very open and um, not rendered, you know, I went for a very animated sort of, you know, because I was tailoring my stuff to make it inker proof in that. I didn't want my stuff to get lost underneath it. Right. You know? right. At the same time, because I was doing that, I was actually losing who I was underneath because I was tailoring it to inkers. And so um, my stuff is, has always been, if you, if you look at like a couple of my early covers, I inked like one of my first Captain America covers. Mm-hmm. I, inked, I inked the shield. I penciled and inked the shield on the steps of the Jefferson Memorial. And if you look at the style, the way I inked that, it's very Sienkiewicz or Klaus like. And that's always been what's in my bones, I think. Really? Because I have that restless look, restless thing to my stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was really, Just doing something in the pencils that really probably I wouldn't do in the finishes. So once I started penciling and inking, you know, fast forward all the way up to Men of Wrath, I just was like, skip it. I'm just going to pencil ink my own stuff from now on. And you see the difference. Yeah. Uh, You know, I have a very um, kinetic look to it. Uh, So that's where we're at now.
0: Speaking of Men of Raffles, it's probably my favorite Ron Gartney and my favorite Jason Aaron ever. Uh, and that book came out, I think the last book that came out under the Marvel icon line, right?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah I always wanted to do a, a book that wasn't a superhero book. You know, I, I love the book Road to Perdition. Yes, And the movie is Road to Perdition. The book is on the Road to Perdition. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always loved that story, and what I loved about it was it was a real-world gangster story, you know, and it was not superheroes. I was really burnt out and doing guys flying around in their underwear or, you know, and just constant punching scenes and, you know. I mean, you can only draw Wolverine slashing his claws so many times where you want to put a bullet to your head. (laughs) speak
0: for yourself I I can say that all day and twice on Sunday
1: (laughs) just kidding Uh, but no I I was really craving to do something you know that was more of a movie you know like a real world sort of movie that wasn't that was based in real world stuff grounded in real world
0: that it was (laughs) that it was
1: (laughs) yeah I mean yeah brutal Um, I almost didn't do it because it was a little brutal yeah man (laughs) and I was like you know I was like I was started moralizing about it a little bit to myself, but then I started, then I, I changed my mind because I was thinking, well, that is as hard it is, as it is to look at. It's the, that's the art of it is how hard it's like looking at nature. Absolutely. Nature. It can be, is very be- beautiful, but part of the only way you can judge the beauty of nature is by judging it is by contrasting it to its sheer violence. And so uh, to me to, to take the, uh, the moral attitude of living and, you know, not, not uh, averting my gaze to that. I don't think I felt was an uh, untruth. So I decided to do it as a way of being truthful about the art in, in all its forms. Um, mm-hmm. so that's why I chose to do it. Because I wasn't going to avert my gaze from this violence um, because there's something, there's a dark side to arc two. And I wanted to explore that and be honest with it. Right. And
0: now if I can say so, Ron, um, you took to the violence exceptionally well because uh, cause, like, it, it was, it was visceral, man. It was, it was, it was some real shit.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a, it was, you know, it's, um, Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like watching a a nature video. You can't if you, you know, it's tough to watch.
0: Yeah. And
1: except for some people, I mean, I do think there's extremes like these poor girls in Morocco. I don't heard Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wouldn't watch that video. No. Because there's some things that are just going to destroy your your hope for humanity. I mean, you know, and this book actually toes that line a little bit um in in a couple of spots so yeah (laughs) it definitely does. (laughs) not quite as bad as what i was talking about morocco but well yeah actually there is one spot There's yeah but that was where i had a hard time doing it and and my way of doing that was not actually showing it um you know but implying it more
0: Um, which is often more effective but uh the the crazy part about that well one of the crazy things about that book, to me, is the fact that the uh, father has no redeeming qualities whatsoever, and that's rare that a character has. Well, yeah, know.
1: it's interesting, but he, at the end, it's like the one germ of a quality he has is he ends up being uh, protective of his son. He tries to be, you know. Yeah. At the end, you can see him going down that road. or going down that road, but he was too late. You know, well, I don't want to say anything, I, you know, anybody who hasn't read it at this point, but, um, yeah, I mean, at the very end, he, you know, you see that he actually has some glimmer of caring for the kid, you know, um, but too little too late so
0: definitely a little too late and then it, it also didn't end on a very up note because of because um the son had his first child it was a daughter so there's no more men of wrath until like the next next um until she yeah
1: i, I was supposed to lead into uh into something like that and jason and i you know i don't know if it's ever going to happen i haven't i don't really speak to jason hardly at all but we um You know, we had a TV show that was coming out. was all uh, set to go. It's interesting you bring that up Uh because USA Network... We we got a lot of offers on it to make a movie. Uh, Robert De Niro actually made us an offer um, to buy it. But the offer was low-ball Hollywood Hollywood standards. And um, then there was another offer from this other guy who made The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. But there were problems with that. And then... Uh we got it picked up and the USA Network ultimately we made a deal with them and I guess it was going to be made there and then uh, what ended up happening was the Harvey Weinstein thing the um, oh. 2 movement and so it became a, you know, a victim of timing uh, because after that it became all about females and, you know, we want to just do female-oriented dramas, you know, was their chance to reap the rewards in a way of Harvey Weinstein's idiocy. Right. So um, so the USA, two female Feminist executives, I guess, at USA Network said it was too white male driven or something, <laughs> well, male something like that, and uh, which is unbelievable to actually hear. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, we, there's all this talk of discrimination and sexism and this and that, and so what do they do? They kill the thing through a lens of actual discrimination because it's too male driven. It's just b- bizarre. Yeah. I, you know, how about it? Just being about the story, you know. But exactly. I get whatever. You know, that's life. Whatever. But you know, one of the things our agent said to us was, "You, know, you guys are gonna do Women of Wrath and Jason?" You know, we both say, ah, "We're you know, we're not gonna do anything like that anytime soon, right now." So because we got too much going. He he does, and I don't know if it's ever gonna happen. Wow. Uh, so that's that's the way it went, and it's still out there. You know, it may get shopped around again at some point. Um, you know. Um, I did actually wrote the song for the title credits, really? A song the title credits. Yeah. But I got somebody really cool to sing it. I won't say who it is. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, uh, nothing, you know, things can change. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Um, so First is I, I'm kind of crying on the inside that that's not going to happen right now, but hopefully it happens in, in the
1: future. <laughs> Are you really crying on the inside.
0: Yes, I am. You I'll to, have I you know,
1: Brian. Give him a hug. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but um, so did you guys have an idea how to take that five issue type story and make it like a a multi season story?
1: Yeah, um, we had a, a writer. Um, who was going to write, who wrote a script for the first episode and he was fleshing out the characters and making changes. And it was all pretty true to it, but there were a lot of additions of, you know, ongoing characters and, you know, things like that. So yeah, it was going to be a, it was going to be good. You know, um, it was a little bit like true detective HBO passed on it. They loved it, but they passed on it because it was very similar to true detective in the treatment on the in the script, um, so, so there's that, yeah.
0: Right. Hmm. Well, we'll wish that it comes out at, at, at some other point. On, on a lighter note, uh, being that you drew Spider-Man for a few years, uh, have you seen Spider-Verse? And if so, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I did see it. Uh, pretty crazy. Um, the animation was, was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just. It's so great to see next level stuff happen, you know, because it's like I remember when Toy Story first came out, um, you know, it was like, whoa, you're sitting there and it's just like this amazing thing, you know, and you can't imagine something getting better than that, you know. But now when you watch Toy Story, you start to see it's starting to look dated. Right. So it's nice to see because everything because of Toy Story, everything sort of went that direction. Um, But then you saw this, and it's like whoa, you know? It's like this weird combination of it had a an interesting feel of like, you know, like almost old school animation mixed with, you know, more with CGI. You know what I mean? It was That's just
0: exactly what I thought. Uh,
1: it was unique. I mean, it, something you really hadn't seen before. Yeah, intensely unique. Um, so it was refreshing to see. That sort of innovation happen. You know, that's, that's what I meant about competition before. Is, right. You know, um, somebody had a competitive bone in them, and you know these these guys who created and wanted to create something new and different than everything else that's that's being put out. Now you're going to see the trend swing and that, and you're going to see all kinds of pun intended. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now one of the more interesting things I saw coming up is Battle Angel Alita. Yes. An- animation in that looks really interesting. Um, looks kind of next level because it's there's some live It's live action with this girl who, who's a robot, and he, they do something with her eyes and everything. It's really creepy looking. <laughs> it's
0: kind of creepy, <laughs> you know.
1: <laughs> but it, it it looks neat, you know. Um, I won't get into. I don't know much about the story. So much I remember it coming out many years ago. It was like early '80s or something. Yeah, I believe so. I mean, yep. So, but uh, yeah, the Spider Verse was 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 intensely creative and and fun fun to see. Um, I thought they did an interesting story wise. I thought they did an interesting job. You know, I I do think it's a little bit of a I don't know. It's a, you know, whenever you start using the excuse of timelines <laughs> on everything, it's like you know, it's just a, an easy way out of everything. And I think. It's also well. I'm not going to get all into that part of it, but yeah. So <laughs> definitely an enjoyable I movie down that road. And I, you know, I, it's just I'll keep that part to myself. All that stuff. Um, so unless you ask me questions there, then I'll answer them. Okay. <laughs> so sticking with Spider-Man, um,
2: you know, you were kind of brought in on Amazing with JMS during the whole Civil War, yes.
0: Back to Black, uh, Iron yes. Spider story. at me.
1: Yes. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a fun book. I mean, uh, yeah, um, I really enjoyed it. What was it like to kind of be working at that time where you
2: did three very distinct storylines, um, you know, going from the pre-Civil War, uh, Iron Spider, going into Civil War with the unmasking of Spider-Man, um, and then to the Aunt May getting shot and the back-to-black story?
1: Uh, what do you mean? What was it like? Um, um, it, it's it flowed one into it. I mean, you know, I, you mean what was it like for me to? Well,
2: it was just it was
1: a very decisive storyline at the time. Um, you know, only... well, Civil War I thought was great. I mean, I you know mm-hmm. I loved one of the things that got me into comics back into back into it. I should say I read them when I was a kid back in the early 70s. You know, 70s I was like, you know. I was born in the sixties and I read them in the sixties, but I remember reading them in the seventies a little bit. And then I forgot about him for many years. <clears throat> and then it was actually secret wars that got me back into it. Um, by accident. Like I was in college and I had forgotten about comic books. You know, <laughs> I was into all kinds of other things, sports and girls and, <laughs> you know, music and whatever. Um, So a bartender, you know, he had a secret wars comic behind the bar. I'm like, Oh, I remember these. I used to read these when I was a kid, you know, and I started reading it. Man, I got hooked. Like I just read one of the issues and uh, it was just the coolest thing to see all these heroes like on this little planet, you know, with this godlike being, you know, using them as little chess pieces against each other or whatever, seeing, watching them battle each other like they were action figures or something so it was fun and I you know kind of brought back my childhood and I was like oh this is so cool you know and I, I had just graduated with a degree in art and psychology and didn't know what I was going to do with it and then I and I but I loved film and love photography and I'm like man you know I could get the best of both worlds out of this because I, I like doing compositional work and um and i love the idea of storytelling and telling stories so and i was like wow i didn't even think i could you know get into it so I, I got kind of hooked on it so anyway fast forward to civil war um, i love doing it because it sort of reminded me of that because it was all these heroes involved in this one big event right. and uh, you know and uh, it had a lot to say you know and i i'm like that i'm a layered person i think and i do think that you know, there's a time for just being a complete vegetable, but I do think you're, you're, it suits a person's life to think philosophically about things right. and to, and to ponder these, you know, the meaning of it, you know, if there's any me, you know, create, you know, human beings probably we create meaning and it's good to create. Philosophy creates meaning and we need to do that and we need to study culture and, political ideas and um and have an open dialogue about that i think one of the things that's suffering right now is this attack on free speech you know it's just insane um and i think civil war was a you know it was a it was an open dialogue about the you know the consequences of of you know of what that story was about so i really enjoyed it and um uh you know and then I thought the transition into Back in Black mm-hmm. was a nice emotional bookend to all of that. It was a real climax to the, you know, I agree. you know, made a lot of sense for it to go that way. And I, to be honest with you, the, the, the fourth, fifth or fifth story of The Kingpin in Prison was my story. I wrote that story. Really? Really. Yeah, and I, I'm still a little peeved about it this. Day. I gave Marvel a lot of hell about it because I wrote Axel Alonso, and I don't care about saying it here. I've said it to them. I wrote Axel Alonso. I wrote him that story, and I said, "What?" I said, "You know, it would be really cool is if we put if, if Spider-Man, Peter Parker, he's not, you know, just take away all this." Um, you know, these little happy quips of him dancing around and, you know, and you know he's a fun-loving kid. You know, what if he just gets so pissed about Aunt May and so pissed? I mean, if you really think about Spider-Man pissed, he, he, that's a scary thought, yeah. you know? And nobody had ever really explored that before. Like, the, the idea of Spider-Man really pissed off. Which, would, which fast forwards him into manhood a little bit because a lot of what turns us into men, you know, is that we face these challenges which piss us off. I remember <laughs> when nine eleven happened. I mean, I, I was ready to go enlist and I was past the age. You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, but there are things that we every man will face a challenge in his life and um, that we have to overcome. And I think, you know, to see... Peter Parker grown to manhood, you know, that was the, the time to, to utilize that. And so I made the suggestion that he gets so pissed that he sheds that cocoon of that little kid swinging around and he's making these funny quips. He's got all these abilities, but this angry Spider-Man is going to be a force to contend with. And the Kingpin, honestly, in, in all reality, wouldn't be able to touch him. No. And so That's the point I made. I said, you know, if Spider-Man really let loose, he could. And I said, what if he went to prison and the Kingpin was put in prison and Spider-Man went in there and beat the absolute shit out of him in front of all those people and just took away all of the Kingpin's mystique? Because the word of mouth would get out. You know, you see all those prisoners see him get his ass kicked like that because it's a very physical visceral world prisoners living in prison it's a very physical thing right that, you know the world they're living in it's life or death and they're a physical life or death every day in there and if they so their whole culture is based on that um so if they saw somebody who was this you know the the ultimate mob boss who they you know they've all worked for or have been manipulated by at some point see them you know lose all his power in front of them um they would change everything for the kingpin forever so that's the story i made and then uh so i get the next script and it was that story and so i drew it and i'm like so i wrote to axel and i'm like hey man i said are you going to give me credit for this or a paycheck?
0: yeah i didn't even <laughs> care
1: i paid i just wanted credit because it was right. my story you know I, didn't, I wasn't looking for a you know and I, Axel just ignored it and ignored it, and then the issue came out, and I noticed I didn't get credit. It was just written as Jam, you know. Uh, Straczynski wrote it, and so I and I wrote Casada, and I wrote Axel, you know, and Casada wrote me back, and he's like, oh, you know, I've used things in the past that I've come up with ideas again, and and, and I my point to him was I'm not the editor in chief. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and man. Then, I'm not, you know, I'm not such a Marvel man that I'm just going to hand over things to you without acknowledgement. Right. You know? I mean, you think I'm an idiot, <laughs> which which I must have been because I didn't push the issue enough. But so I to this, you know, they ultimately in the end apologize for it, you know, um, uh, you know, but I think honestly, I think Axel kind of dicked me over on that a little bit. I'm not Sure. You know, what happened there, why I wasn't just given the credit. But, you know, I'm not going to accuse anybody of anything other than maybe it was just an oversight.
0: Now, did you talk to Joe? Um, well, JMS about that at all?
1: No, I've never spoken to that guy. Really? I worked on a year. of That's another reason. You know, I, I worked on a year of that guy's stories and not once did I ever get an email from him. That is fucking crazy. Saying, hey, great job. Hey, loved what you did here. Hey, great working with you. Nothing. Ever. Nothing. Well, that is crazy. Ever. And, wow. you know, and I said that to Casada, too. I said, you know, I said, the salt in the wound here is, is that guy put his name to something that wasn't his idea. Yeah. I, said, I don't know whether he, it came down. I don't know how it happened, how he got the story idea. Or if he even knew, it, he might. I don't even think he even knew it came from me. I think that Axel awesome. might just Axel might have just pitched him and said, "Hey, you know what we could do for a fifth issue here? Let's do this." And then he said, "Yeah, that's a great idea." And he probably wrote it, but it wasn't his idea. It wasn't Axel's idea. Wow. It was my. Idea. And so that was the salt and wind. that I never even heard from the guy, and then here he is with his name on a story that wasn't even his. You know, that was my idea. You know, I mean, he wrote, obviously wrote the script, but the the whole entire premise of that issue was my idea. And um, so, so that was, uh, that burned me up too, you know, and I of told course. that to George. I said, look, I said, I've never even spoken. He goes, oh, that's the way he is. I said, I don't care. That's the way he is. This is the way it is in our industry is we support each other. And, you know, I've worked on his stories just out of professional courtesy, you write to the person and say, Great job. Yeah. Or if you don't like it, even you can write and say, Hey, um, you know, can you do this or change that? Or, you know, I want to go in this direction. And I saw one time on Twitter, I think it was Twitter or somewhere, he wrote an article and he was subtly critiquing the way I, I, did, I told the story. I think he didn't like the right? way I. I changed one little thing uh, on Peter Parker entering a room or something. And uh, so he wrote, he didn't say he didn't like it, but he's saying, you know, the way I normally do this is this and this is the way it was done. But he didn't address me personally on it or anything. And to me, that's just, I don't know. I don't care. You know, I've worked in this business for 30 years. You know, um, that to me is just, you know, so that, that told me all I need to know. I mean, I know I sound a little bit um acerbic about it but you know oh, not I, at all I, I don't have anything against the guy I, don't I would shit. <laughs> so but that's the way i look at
2: it i mean that's so. that's where it's nice i mean nowadays you're seeing uh you know a lot more story credits to the writer and artist no together. but it
0: had those back then too brian <laughs> so they had story credits
1: i'm seeing a lot of the a lot of the artists getting overlooked you know, in some of the yeah. critiques and stuff, you know, like on online, like they they critique a book and just ignore the artist as if he had no contribution at all. And I even did an interview for Marvel. Um, and uh, what happened? So I did this interview, and then they titled the the interview "Savage Sword of Conan" comes out with Jerry Duggan next month. And then it doesn't even mention my name, in the, like in the title of the interview. It's, but the interview was me, you
0: know. Right. So,
1: so it's really bizarre, you know. I mean, i I wrote to the person who interview. I'm like, is there a reason why you left my name out of the title of the interview? They never wrote back. So oh, man. yeah, it's this kind of stuff that really grates on your nerves after a while, you know. I have nothing against anyone, against anyone, but I'm vocal about things that are right or wrong. Exactly. Oh. And that to me again is another example. I've seen Sean Phillips get completely overlooked in some of his stuff with Brubaker, you know, like, uh, and he's a brilliant artist. So yeah, um, oh, sorry, Lee Weeks just texted me. Uh, so yeah, so um, so uh, that's that's where I'm at with that. You know, I think um, the medium wouldn't exist without. You know the artist, so it wouldn't be that it wouldn't be the comics medium. So absolutely, you know, I, don't, so, Ra- I don't like seeing them get taken for granted like that. So, Ron, like a couple of
0: points on that um, on that topic. One, <clears throat> I, I find it now very interesting that JMS, I've always thought was a, a writer who who um, can uh, adjust his, his writing to an art a artist's strength without question, and, and his books are always seem to be the best. Symmetry between a writer and an artist, but now I find out that that's that's not always the case,
1: which is well. That, that, I mean, you know, it doesn't me. mean creatively speaking that that it's not a good product, you know. But that see, those things are the things that are behind the scenes, and you know, honestly, to say it publicly like this, I probably shouldn't. But you know, um, you know, it kind of burned me up. You know, I never heard from the guy, and I I, I guess I could have written to him, but why should I have to? You know, I mean. Um, to me, it's like, I started turning this stuff in, I never wrote to him, and I didn't say anything either, so there's that. You know, I mean, I could take responsibility myself, but I guess I kind of expected that I'd hear from the guy, you know, once they started working on the scripts.
0: Yeah, I mean, because typically, how I how I've always heard that it works, if you start a book with someone, you guys have a correspondence, oh, so I like drawing this type of things, this type of shit I don't like drawing, and there's some kind of dialogue there, at least back then. Now I heard the Marvel just sends the scripts like five hours at the same time and like there's no right and the the um communication is kind of broken down but back in 07 i thought it was the exact opposite of that it was more of a community based um like a team. well it is
1: i'm not saying it, more off than the, i mean i've never i've never experienced that before i've always heard from the writers i've worked with so it's something that's really exclusive to him because you know, it was even told to me that that's the way he is. That's crazy. So, you know, I mean, you know, like he's Howard Hughes or something walking <laughs> around house with, you know, Kleenex boxes on the screen. <laughs> but, um, you know, so whatever, that's fine. But I don't, you know, I, I'm all about accepting people for who and what they are. Oh, right. To, to a point, <laughs> you know, when it's, it becomes a professional thing, then it's like, well, that's. That's not about who you are. That's just being, you know, being discourteous. I guess. And, Look. Uh, yeah. And I, I'm not going to dwell on. It. I'm, I'm past, long past over all this. And I don't blame anyone. I honestly do think a lot of this stuff is just innocent, sort of overlooking because it's such a massive industry of, with so many people involved in creative teams and this and that. And everybody, you know, you got to remember that editors and people involved have so much, we have, there's only so much time in each day. Right. And you go into work and there's so much going on and things get overlooked all the time. So I'm very, very, you know, I, I, I'm certainly a 360 degree view person. And I, even though I say it acerbically, I'm also able to look at it and say, okay, well, it's probably nothing personal. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, see, it's personal because my job is personal. Right? <laughs> people say oh it's nothing personal it's just business bullshit anything we do for a living is personal. personal for sure you know, because this is what we spend our days on all our hours doing and this feel you know doing what i do is personal to me because i i want to do a good product i want it to you know i want to have fun with it um it provides for me and my family right. um so it's very personal however i don't think it's a personal attack, attack towards but, you yeah Yes. Yeah, so I just think it's, you know, overlooked. So, you know, and that's, these are the things, you know, people, if they don't remind, I'm a very vocal person. I think you'll, if you ask anybody over at Marvel or something, they, you know, <laughs> they might, oh God, you know, Garney, you know, whatever, because I am vocal about stuff. I remember Bob Harris, I was talking to him one time years ago and I'm, and uh, he had somebody calling me for whatever reason. He, he was just like, go easy on him, man, because he, you know, <laughs> <laughs> he's vocal about how I feel about certain things. Right. You know? I don't like mysteries when it comes to relationships. You know? I feel you, man, for sure. I don't. I don't like mysteries at all. I think put it's all up, yeah,
0: put it all on the table.
1: Exactly. Know where you stand with people. Yep. Say, you know, I mean, you don't have to be a dick about anything, but you know, say how you you think. I do. I do think Twitter uh, is a is the devil's <laughs> thing. I think you know, saying what you think. I think it's given people a false sense of their importance. Yep. I think uh, you know, people need to really learn the value of just shutting up once in a while, as well. Um, All about balance. Yeah, it's just, you know, I think um, people think their opinions revolve – the world revolves around their opinions too much when their opinions just revolve around their heads, you know. Right. Uh, so I do think there's that other extreme. But I do believe in keeping things, you know, letting – you know, everybody knowing where they stand with each other would be – is a good thing as long as it's done civilly.
0: Civilly, yeah. So – um So – That's
1: what I have to say about
0: that. (laughs) So now to go to polar opposite of that, uh, for um, in the interest of being balanced, what was your favorite collaboration with a writer?
1: Wow. Uh, (laughs) You know, I take different things from each writer I've worked with. Um, I'm not going to tell you my least favorites. Oh, uh,
0: wow. So that... So, so that wasn't it? I, I do have a least favorite.
1: But creatively speaking, I enjoyed it. Uh. But I have a least favorite interaction. Um, War you know, And The JMS thing, that's just more of an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, my favorite, that's tough. Uh, there have been a lot of great things. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to have to say... Like I said, I take different things away from different writers. Most recently, probably one of the most enjoyable things I've done is Daredevil. Mm. Um, and I love Charles Sewell's writing. Um, I think he's a, an untapped – well, he's tapped at this point. Right. But he's a, a genius in a lot of ways. I saw a lot of very creative perspectives that I don't think maybe even a lot of people noticed in what he does. Nuanced. Yeah, for sure. Um I think he's really, you know, he tends to come up with ideas, new ideas. Um and that's a great thing in the, in the comics industry because it suffers from new ideas instead of repackaging old ones or <laughs> putting a different face on
0: Spider-Man. Excellent. Yeah,
1: I just Yeah, well. <laughs> so, um yeah. So I think he's really great at doing that. I, 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 loved working with, um, even a short, short things I did like, um, fantastic four with Jonathan Hickman. I liked his story. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Jason Aaron. Um, yeah. But I, I want to say recently daredevil daredevil is probably one of my more favorite things. I love this Coney thing. I'm working on with Jerry Duggan. Um, And uh, with Jason, probably, like I said, get mystique was one of the favorite things I've done. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I just love that story. So, so there you have it. You know, it's some of the man, as far back as I can go, she's trying to think you
0: work with, with uh, Mark Wade a
1: lot, like during the Captain America, silver surfer. I enjoyed. Uh, Yeah. Yes. I I worked with Mark Wade on Captain America. Um, I loved, yeah, I loved drawing cap. It was a, that was a, a breakout moment for me, and I think it was the first time I got to do something I really, really wanted, like more than the other books I had done. You know, when I got into Marvel, uh, I was taking things on, and I was happy and honored, and so you know, ecstatic that I, I started this career in comics. You know, I think the first thing I had done was. Uh, GI Joe with Larry Hama, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I, I, it was cool, but that was an eye-opening experience because it was like it was licensed by, I forgot who the toy company was. That uh, Hasbro. Hasbro, and uh, so every every vehicle had to have every nut and bolt in place. And it was <laughs> like so that was the first thing I'd ever done, and it was like, oh god, I'm going to kill myself. What have I gotten into here? Um, because I had never done it professionally yet. You know, I've been an artist, but I hadn't done something like that before, even though I've been trying to get in and, with samples and stuff. So that was a learning curve right away. Um, and I pulled up many an all nighter just to finish that issue. And it was you know, I was like, man, I don't know oh, man
0: if I can do this. <laughs> this so, might not be for me. <laughs> yeah, but
1: not every book is Jack Joe and it wasn't like that. So but in the meantime, I was a dummy, and I, I couldn't say no because I didn't want to give up a career. Right. You know, so I was—I said yes to Moon Knight, and I said yes to Daredevil, and I said yes to all these things. And I was like working like a madman, and I wasn't even—you know—I was just like so, oh, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I wanted to be—it was nice to be wanted, you sure. know. And, uh, but my work was suffering, and I—you know—so I, I needed to really pull back. I had to learn the art of being able to say no. Mm-hmm. to thank editors for my own sake and for theirs you know um for the sake of my career and for the book to look good because i know i you know i know if i can't do it i'm not gonna i, I just don't want to hack things out anymore you know yeah. so I've, I've gotten to a place where i you know I, I spend more time and do better work so um yeah but yeah anyway i'm digressing here but yeah cap it was the first time i um I went from uh, Moon Knight to Daredevil to Ghost Rider I was offered. And I liked doing Ghost Rider. I wanted to do Ghost Rider. That was fun. Mm-hmm. I got offered Cap. It appealed to my uh, – Cap, actually, Captain America samples were the samples that got me into Marvel. Oh, interesting. And so I had always wanted to do Superman and Cap was the next best. You know, the other thing I would have wanted to do, I wouldn't say next best because it's just as good just you know so it was. that's what i wanted to do i wanted to do a superhero at that point i was doing all supernatural stuff up until that right point. and um so yeah so it was exciting and um so i was really really pumped to do it and um you know i'd worked with mark uh talked with mark about where the book was going to go uh you know and mark was good at taking ideas swapping ideas and you know and mixing them up and creating a, you know, in the soup and creating a story out of it. Um, so we had talked, and I said, and true lies had come out around that time. And I love the idea of a secret agent going on adventures outside the country. And, and that sort of spawned man out of the country. I said to Mark, I said, what, you know, it'd be great to take him out of the country. And, you know, and so then Mark came up with this idea that he, you know, has to, you know, re. Uh, get his name back you know because he was you know that whole story right, right. Um, so, um so that's where that all came from so yeah that was fun doing cap i love the character
0: so uh around that same time what happened with that captain America, captain america Heroes return and then the captain america uh sentinel of liberty because some crazy shit happened back then. I, I, I was a kid. I was like ten
1: when that happened. But you know what crazy shit happened?
0: It was a wizard. I can't find my issue. I can't find a uh, fucking wizard magazine issue thirty. What happened
1: was is we started on cap. We got nine issues into it, or I was like maybe on the sixth issue, and I got a phone call from Bob Harris or Ralph, one of the other, uh, saying that you know we were off the book and it was. So like, why? And um, and I was really just getting my groove going on that, mm-hmm. and uh, it was going to Rob Liefeld and Jim Lee, and those guys that were doing a big company wide push, so um, that's what happened, and so we, we got taken off it. And you know, I was like, well, gonna make a big stink about it, and this and that, and you know, I didn't know what to make of it really, and you know, they offered me anything else I wanted to do, and you know, we're sorry and this and that, and um, you know. So I was like, I was under contract, and uh, you know. So I I uh, I decided to go on to Surfer, mm-hmm. you know, because I'd always wanted to do a Silver Surfer book, you know, um, and that's how that happened. And then, and then they wanted me to come back on Cap. I remember Rob Liefeld had one of his agents call me or something because he was, you know. Because there was all this stir, you know, right. this backlash against it, and, you know, and I and I told the guy, I said, "Well, have Rob call me himself. Why, why are you calling <laughs> me?" And uh, you know, and there was it was a lot of bitterness back then. You know, I don't I don't care at all anymore. You know, um, business wise, it made perfect sense. You know, those guys were really popular guys. Um, but you know, it was a bitter pill to swallow because we were doing a good, you know, a good job on that book. Definitely. Then it came back around. They were asked if we wanted to do it again, but it's hard to get lightning to strike twice, you know. I thought I did better work on the on the turnaround, but you know, but the, I guess the life in me trying to evolve as an artist. Um, I I think part of the backlash for me was second guessing what I was doing on Cap. Okay. Instinctively, I was, deep down, I was thinking, well, if they liked it enough, they wouldn't you know, they wouldn't want to take me off it, you know, no matter what. So, I, you know, I just, I forego, I, I just forewent the style I was working on on Cap, you know, I tried this Mobius thing on Surfer because I was having fun just trying different things. Like I said, I, I like to, you know, the adventure in the, in the, in the process. And uh, so by the time I came back to Cap, I had evolved, you know, and it was doing, uh, other things artistically. And then, so I tried to recreate what I did in Cap a little bit, but it was looking a little inconsistent. Technically, I was better, but it wasn't as consistent in the, look of the book. So, you know, and it's hard to, you know, I think Mark had a great idea initially, which was to just pick up where we left off. His original idea was to the first page of the, when we came back, was to be Cap writing on a bullet train and having it say the first word say and now back to our story (laughs) and i thought i was like man that was great but he caved you know (laughs) caved to the higher ups and did something else you know (laughs) that
0: would have been amazing
1: (laughs) big state about japan and this and that you know and it just wasn't as effective i thought should have went right back to that
0: yeah so Um, all right, so uh, how about this? Are there any Marvel or DC characters that you haven't worked on that you still want to work on? I know Marvel probably not because you've done them all.
1: I want to do Batman. Mm.
0: Yeah. Do you have an idea yeah. for a Batman story
2: or just want to draw? it? know,
1: I, I went through a contract negotiation with, with DC and there was some talk about me doing detective and stuff, but I really want Batman. Um, I want that book Oh, some.
0: It's not Batman yeah,
1: the character, the, but the book Batman. The book Batman. You know, I want the character, but I want you know. To me, it's like you know to be able to do a, even if it's just a year on that book to be able to say I did Batman for a year would be. You know, I don't think my styles is suited anymore for Superman. I love Superman. Love to do it, but after seeing Frank quietly, I can't get that out of my head. Uh huh. You know, mm-hmm. like I just see see his sort of work, in there. and a lot of artists. I mean, not just him, but lots of great guys. But Batman, I, I just feel like I, could, I don't know, I could elevate my stuff. It's a, one of those books where I feel like I could make that next level jump, like in Super Mario or something, <laughs> you know, and uh, bring my stuff up even more. You know, what Lee Weeks did on it was brilliant. Uh, yeah. Actually, his was his on the main title now, but
2: uh, yeah, you know, he did the Mister Free storyline, I believe. Right. Well, he was Batman,
1: just, fr- right? Yep. He's just freaking amazing. They did all that Looney Tunes characters and stuff. It was just awesome, Tom King. Yeah. Um, but you know, Greg Capullo is so ridiculous, ridiculously amazing, and I I love Greg. Greg, you know, I have a soft spot for him. He's one of the best people I I know as far as. I I don't know him so well, like we're not, we don't, you know, send each other Christmas cards, but the few times I've spent with him, he is, he's one of the most uplifting guys. And I will give him some credit for him lighting a bit of a fire under me at a time when I was just not, not feeling it anymore. And his support, I want to say this, his support meant, lot to me he's he was very supportive of me personally and my artwork and my career and has always you know always been there written me private notes here and there throughout the years to you know and i nobody's ever done that Hmm. nobody i've never gotten a private note from somebody like i got from him and i think a lot of the guys in the business there's some guys in the art, you know, artists who are too competitive, right. It's like, it's good to be competitive, but some of these guys don't support each other at all. They're too, you know, they you know, they play a snobbery. <laughs> and it's, I don't like it at all. You know, that's why I love Mahmoud Aswar. He's as great as he is. He doesn't play that game. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I try not to, but you know, the problem with me is I am competitive and if I feel I'm being, treated that way i i will ignore them back and then there's no relationship but yeah um, like greg and you know he's just one of those guys who who isn't that way and mahmoud and there's other guys lee weeks and there's plenty you know guys who i'm very good friends with who aren't that way but there are a few i won't name names um who play that and i don't like it at all i think it's you know be competitive, but be supportive at the same time.
0: Yeah, because uh, competition sh- should bring out the best in all parties involved, not trying to, like, sabotage someone else just be like a dick, like you're saying. Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't be about ignoring someone or trying to make them feel small or, you know, or thinking they should come to you first, you right. know, or, you know, and I, I, you know, I think a lot of guys play that game. And I, I, I could be wrong. I mean, I can't directly accuse somebody of it but i i've seen it mm-hmm. it seems like that to me you know um and you can only give so much you know and if you if you're not it's not reciprocated then you know then that's it you just move on yeah but i think the industry would be better if there were people were a lot more supportive Yeah. You know?
2: now do you have a particular art or uh not artist i'm sorry writer that you would like to work on Batman with if given the
1: opportunity? Uh, offered. You know, well, not offered, but I've been approached by guys, you know, um, that I would love to work with. Um, Scott Snyder approached me, oh, wow. Tom King, uh, you know. Um, but I don't know. You know, honestly, another big problem in this industry, the politics that are, have been going on, you know, and I think it's it's poisoning or souring potential relationships. I mean, I don't get involved in it but I've seen my name thrown around in it, but I, you know, I don't say too much politically. I have my beliefs, you know, I've, I've spoken to Marvel about it and said that I don't want to get involved. You know, I want comics to enjoy my job and I, you know, and the way I've seen things been, have been, you know, the climate the last bunch of years um, is really distasteful Mm -hmm. and um, uh, I have my beliefs I don't push them on anybody. I don't expect anybody to, you know. But I see a lot of people with ridiculous accusations out there who need to just take a, a step backwards and knock it off. Because if they were to approach me, I, you know, they're, they're going to hear it from me. But I've seen my name mentioned in a couple of places. Hmm. and But I stay out of it because... It shouldn't be about that. I want to enjoy my job. I don't don't think it's a place a place for people to be judging each other. Right. You know. Um, and I also don't think it's a. I don't want comics to be propaganda, and I don't want. Uh, I don't want to be a bullhorn for propaganda or anybody's particular beliefs. Mm-hmm. I want it to be an escape. I want it to be fun stories. That, you know. But what I'm seeing over the last bunch of years has made it very difficult. For me and a lot of guys, there's a lot of guys who talk uh, about it, who won't say anything because you know we don't want to. We want to enjoy what we're doing, but there's a lot of guys who feel just like I do. We're getting really sick of it, and it needs to stop. So, and I told Marvel that. I told them. I said, you know, actually when I did Conan, I told them. I said, I'll do it. I, I want to do it. I said, but if I feel there's anything political in there, or there's somebody's trying to push. Jerry even, you know, I love him, you know, but if he's trying to use me to to put some message he has about whatever it is, I don't care, you know, Mm -hmm. I I don't, I'm not going to do it. I don't want to be a part of it. I have no, I don't judge anybody on what they believe. You believe what you believe and you're entitled to do that. But you're not going to use me to put your points out there. Mm -hmm. And that's the way I feel about about this. So that's what I'm at with it, you know um See, anyway, well, what was the original question? <laughs> I
2: don't know, but I know I'm going to start the petition to Tom King to get you on uh, Batman.
1: Yeah, he's he's great. I love that guy. Now, um, now yeah, he's served our country. He's yeah. a great guy. Now,
0: well, wait, is he, yeah, yep, yep, CIA. Um, now, but is that even po- okay? So I guess it kind of leads to this question. So is that possible? Because
1: like- well, I mean, I'm under contract with Marvel. I'm not saying, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I don't think it's against my contract to just talk about anyone. <laughs> you never know what he's
0: saying. You know, say. someday,
1: never, never know. Someday, you know, I don't know. But, um, you know, so I'm under contract with Marvel. And if, you know, is it gets to a point where you know it's just not a workable thing anymore. Then yeah, I would love to do Batman and work with those guys. You now,
0: know. now, don't let them do you how they did John Romita Jr. initially because he he had the same he had the same. Well, talk with DC uh, originally to where he asked about doing Batman, but then they kind of <laughs> finesse him into doing Superman, which turned out good. But if you tell them Batman, make sure you're on Batman and not Superman or or a fucking JLA again. But- well,
1: the way I look at that is this: if they were to offer me Superman, I'd be fine with that too. Uh-huh. You know, I love Superman. I would do it. You know, I don't know if I'm right for it now, artistically. I mean, I, I would have to revamp how I approach the, the finishes. Right. You know, but, but, um, I would I would do it. I mean, you know, I do think my artistically my ink, the way I ink and everything, I I, I can dig my. Grit and dig my teeth into Batman more.
0: I agree. I can see that. Where
1: Superman, would, I would create more of a feeling for Superman because the feeling of wonder and you know of this alien guy. I think that's something that's not been explored enough. Um, but I'm not going to say because it'll get stolen. Right? <laughs> but uh, you know, I have ideas in my head about how I would love to approach that character that's never been done before. You know, um, so if they were to ever approach me about it. You know, that's the other thing I'd like to do is write something. You, uh-huh. know, if, you know, if maybe to sweeten the pie, ever if I were ever in talks with them, you know, be let me do a short story. You know,
0: uh, yeah, like DC has their uh, artist drill line for writers too. Oh, same that line, Brian, with um, the John Romita Jr. book, the uh, Ryan Sook book.
1: Yeah, I haven't. uh, I I don't get to see or read any of these things. I mean, you see bits and pieces here and there, but on the internet. But I, you know, I'm sadly working in this as a as a career. You know, at the end of the day, we a lot of us want to get away from (laughs) it. Sure, understandable. I I mean, I have other things. You know, uh, jujitsu I do, Mm -hmm. and I, you know, music, and you know, so I I try to split my time up to where i'm you know i still have life in me right where i just a lifeless husk sitting over my board (laughs) like that that poor bastard in later raiders of the lost ark (laughs) (laughs) guarding the chalice you know i'm I'm sitting over a wacom tablet like uh, you know the cobwebs off (laughs) me. you know so uh, yeah i do a lot of other things so i don't get to read a lot anymore um yeah. So I don't really know what a lot of people are doing. Yeah, but
0: DC has a line where uh, they let the uh, artists write their own books if they want to, or they drive the story. And, like, the artist's name comes first, and then the writer. Oh, but, that was the... They had the sideways, yeah, the
2: Yeah. Uh, but
0: I-, I can't think of a name for it, but if a time comes up to where you, when, like, your Marvel contract is up and you want to explore... Yeah, the world, they... I, I,
1: I, well, I... I was negotiating with D C when my contract was up with Marvel, you know, I was talking to both and they had mentioned something like about that to me. Oh did they? Yeah, yeah. Um but uh and it sounded neat, you know, I liked the idea of it, you know. Um, ultimately I stuck with Marvel for a couple of reasons. But um yeah, it's a neat idea. I like it.
0: So so after Conan is done, because, like, that's only five issues, do you have, like, your next project um, lined up already?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think so. Um, I'm supposed to – me and Charles Sewell talked about doing something nice. that I liked. Um, that's a time period piece. Mm. Um, and I don't know if I should mention it. or I, I don't think it's a problem, but – Uh, We talked about doing something with Cap and Wolverine back in World War II or something. So we'll see. I don't know. We'll see what happens. You got to do that. Unless something else comes along that I like better. Sorry, Charles. (laughs) As (laughs) as our podcast, True Stories, based on fiction, we're giving you the go-ahead for you and Charles
0: to to do that (laughs) storyline.
1: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't spoken to him in a while, so I don't know what's going on or if anything, but, um, we'll see what happens. We'll see. So yeah, things change all right, the time. Right. Like originally we were going to do an- another book and then that we scrapped that. So I, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> um, okay. So, uh, now we'll, as you were saying, we'll bookend it with going back until, uh, into Conan. So, uh, what can people expect from that first issue of Conan or Savage
1: Sword of Conan? expect. Hmm. Well, I will say it's interesting because there are pirates in it. Oh, really? Hmm. Uh, um, and Conan comes from a different timeline than a lot of these kinds of pirates, it seems. Um, so that's interesting. I mean, I'm not quite... Somebody pointed that out. I think it might have been Chuck Dixon said something about it, or I read something, and... Um, because Alex, Alex Ross, and I did a cover together. An amazing well, cover. Yeah, I, I I did the layout for it and the composition. I don't know if you saw I'm, it's on Instagram. I, I put both on Instagram, and then he finished. You know, he painted it. So it's really a kick to see Alex paint my composition. Yeah. You know, um, but in that Alex had put a particular era. Uh, a pirate hat on one of the skeletons from a particular era and it's not the Hyborian Age or when the Hyborian Age is supposed to have taken place so Chuck Dixon pointed that out so I don't know what's going on with that but there are pirates in it so it's interesting and um, you know it moves in a direction where they you know um, there's a map and you know they go on this journey to find this treasure and you know It's neat. It's a neat story. It's a good self-contained story. I like it.
0: And is this story based off any of the? From sounds of it, this is a a a complete, um, brand new idea by Jerry and yourself. It's not something that came from the Conan comics or the Conan books by uh, the the original writer whose name escapes me at the moment. So this is a brand new story.
1: Uh yeah. Cool. I don't think it's. I mean, I, there are references in the in it, I believe, that might reference past events, but nothing that anybody has to connect to. It's just a, it's a it's a story unto its own, you know. Just the fact that you know, I don't know if you saw any of the prelim art that's I uh, put out, um, like the, him on a on a floating piece of wood yeah, in the man. ocean. Yeah, Good, good shit pirate ship coming up, you know, that's just something you've never seen before, so um, you know uh, so there's, it's it's really, uh, different, so I think you'll enjoy it, and if you don't fuck <laughs> you <laughs>
0: um, so who would you cast as Conan in the Marvel Cinematic
1: Universe? Uh, well, the first guy that jumps in my mind has already played him which is, uh, you know uh, Momoa, mm-hmm. Um, I think he could have beefed up a little bit more. Yeah. For, he looked a little thin to me in that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, nobody really beats Arnold, but I think Jason was a good, a good, a good, uh, good choice. Um, I don't know who else. It's hard to say. Who would I cast as Conan or anybody else? Uh,
0: let's go Conan. Both. Or anyone else.
1: Uh, I couldn't even say, honestly. You
0: brought it up, You brought it up. I thought you had all these (laughs) gems you're going to drop I didn't bring up. Did I bring up the (laughs) –
1: no, I don't don't know. It's hard to say. Jason Momoa is the first guy I think of. I mean, I think when we saw him on Game of Thrones, you're just like, oh, man, it's fucking Conan.
0: I said, oh, man, it's fucking Lobo. That's what I said. Yeah, yeah. There you go. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. It's funny though, him with that little Daenerys chick. She's like all two feet tall, and him like <laughs> just a, a weird combo. Like. It definitely was. She looks like a munchkin from the Wizard of Oz <laughs> with a wig on. You know, like, I am the Queen of Fire. <laughs> you know, she's like this little munchkin, <laughs> and there's Jason Momoa is like eight feet tall. And, just bizarre
0: did you get a chance to see um Aquaman
1: I you know I haven't yet I've heard it's visually stunning absolutely so I have not um you know it's funny people talk and you know I've heard things about it good and bad so yeah, you know, it might be something I wait for on tv you know on tv maybe i don't know i don't know if I, i'll see it or not i, I it. mean
0: it, it's a good movie but i would say if you have the time and watch it in theaters because there's certain scenes in there that i think will only look good in a in a large screen and your for tv like a 75 inch if so, then you might be good
1: okay yeah so maybe i'll do that then right, i gotta get to it soon for it because these movies are in and <laughs> in out in two weeks like i went to see i want i've been like oh, i gotta go see creed I gotta go see creed Good. The night I decided to go see Creed, it's not playing anywhere anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Another amazing movie. Yeah. Yeah, I can't. I can't wait. But, you know, I, I I remember seeing a trailer or something, seeing Rocky and Drago in an airport or something. And uh, but I guess that's not in the movie, no, but no. it's certainly is interesting to see those two old bastards together again.
0: It definitely was. Yeah. Uh, Creed two was probably one of the best movies
1: uh, that I saw at least of last year. Amazing shit. Well, that's what I mean. I meant Creed two, the second yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Good shit, I, well, that's good. That's good. I you know I'm dying to see it. I'm I'm huge fight fan and you know boxed in high school and I'm you know I'm a at a jiu jitsu school so I love all that stuff. It's just great, you know. And um, and that movie in particular, like Rocky four, was was really cool you know at the time and um i like the way stallone handles them now it's a much more mature layered performance you know Um, they're not so campy
0: the best line of any movie in the history of cinema uh wasn't rocky four and that line is if he dies he dies
1: if he dies he dies (laughs) (laughs) all right
0: um do you get a chance to do the con
2: circuit still or question
1: uh i did um New York. I was invited to Chicago. I backed out of that one. Um, I get invited all over the place, you know, over to Europe a lot. And I just never get to do them anymore. You know, I have four children. Uh, My eldest daughter just went into college this year. And, uh, you know, I have a 3-year-old, a 19-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old. So it's just I'm all over the place, you know, and I'm always busy trying to keep up with bills and work. (laughs) to travel, um, the traveling now, like the last few places I went, I think I'm trying to remember the last long distance flight I took to a con. I can't remember where it was. But, you know, there was a layover and then the flight was delayed and then one flight was canceled. And, you know, and I'm like, it's just, you know, before you know it, you've spent two days just in airports losing work time and it doesn't make up for it when you go to the cons. And and I was invited to Dallas and I told the guy I need a fee to come because it's just not worth it for me. I can sit and I can work and, you know, and they get indignant about it. The guy didn't even respond. And it's like, (laughs) "Look, look, you know, you can sit there. I know I'm not Jim Lee. Okay. I get it, but try to see it from my side and, Understand that this is time, you know. And you saying, "Oh, we'll cover the flight and hotel," isn't enough. Right. I have to make money. And sometimes you go to these shows, and the, there's nobody there, you know, or that you just don't get anybody coming to your table for whatever reason, you know. And um, so, like you know, I'm not like, like I said, I'm not like Greg Capullo who can command a line of people, you know, can command a, you know. A, a fee to, to appear somewhere, you know, but I have to, right. you know, if I'm, if, so these shows, I actually have to do that because it's not worth it unless I go to New York. Like New York was great. I went to New York. It's, it's a local show. It doesn't really cost me anything in travel time. It's, you know, an hour and a half from where I live. Mm-hmm. So it's no big deal, you know, and it's worth it to me, you know, but some of these shows, it's just, no, it's just not worth it. So well, I haven't done San Diego since 2004. Wow.
0: But thank you for crushing our dreams of having you come to Motor City.
1: <laughs> so that's not going to happen. Like, I'm not <laughs> saying it's, it's I mean, to crush your dreams.
0: Now I'm crying again on the outside. Oh, you'll have
1: make, I'll come if you make it up to me in some other fashion. Uh, we'll figure it out.
0: I can provide but, for you a drink. <laughs> <Not> a, <laughs>
1: No, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I won't ever, I mean, if it's a local enough where it's an hour flight or something and it's a direct flight, but a lot of times, even from here, I have to still have to go drive. If I were to take a direct flight, I have to go all the way into New York City, which takes me, you know, so again, it's taken me four hours and then just because I travel in, which takes me an hour and a half, then you have to wait another hour to get on the flight. So that's two, two and a half hours. To get on the flight, then you're on the flight, then take off, and then it flies to another destination and there's a layover. Just to go to like <laughs> Chicago, it should only be an hour and away, an hour of flight, you know, a direct flight, or, you know, maybe a little more. But so it's just, you know, it's just semantics. That's all it is. And, uh, or else I would, I would do a lot more of them. You know, when I was younger and single and, you know, and it was, you know, I was traveling all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but now my family and leaving my family and, you know, my bringing my kids where they need to go and my wife helping, you know, so it's just, it's just at this point, it's not as practical. Yeah, no, so.
0: that makes total sense, especially with, uh, with, uh, Motor City, cause that's more so of, of a media kind actually. because we get big names there, but the tables are kind of empty sometimes. Cause everyone's seeing like the media guests, which I think is,
1: plus well, what's coming for a lot but of that's why I don't I don't like the cosplay nonsense <laughs> yeah. you know that was not, not that I don't don't like cosplay whatever you whatever you're into mm-hmm. you know? I mean honestly it's <laughs> I'll tell you that's something else too. but uh, <laughs> you know the fact that they're you know they were com- you know forcing the artists to compete right. for the cosplay because the cosplay people are charging all this money and they, you know so it's uh, you know it's difficult um,
2: I like to be able to go to my comic con, meet some artists, meet some writers, and get my commissions.
1: Yeah, that's. I mean, that to me is. I love meeting the fans. Yeah. You know, it's 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 really invigorating to meet fans who appreciate what you do. You know, when I was younger, I don't think I had as much of an appreciation for. It. I always did, but you know, more so now because there's. I don't know. They seem more. Enthusiastic or something—I don't know—but um, I love meeting them mm-hmm. you know, because it's—it's it's nice to see the love they have for it. You know, um, it's very—it sustains sustains us and our enthusiasm our, as artists and people who do it for you. You know, um, I mean, we do it for ourselves ultimately. You know, um, you have to want to do it just because you love it. But when you meet people who love it as well, it's it just gives you that extra boost, you know, and, uh, you know, because you're appreciated for all the time you spend doing it. So I love doing it for that reason, going to the shows.
0: Yeah, for sure. So um, I think that that is a perfect uh, happy note to close on. Just like same thing that happened in Men of that you ended on a very positive, uplifting note. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah, because there weren't too many swear words
0: well, we can change that shit now though. we can change that fucking shit right the fuck, fuck now <laughs> <out. Yeah. laughs>
1: try to keep it clean boys fuck that
0: clean shit <laughs> well alright yeah. Ron oh, what
1: your mama said
0: <laughs> <laughs> D- uh, Ron don't talk about my mother Ron It wasn't real <laughs> <laughs> Now I'm crying for the third time. <laughs> I've never cried so much on an interview. <laughs> this is uh, like yeah. a reverse. This is uh, a reverse. Uh, uh, Barbara Walters, but like your Barbara yeah, Walters yeah, you know, right.
1: interviewing. <laughs> and that stuff used to kill me. The Barbara Walters interviews, like she was so proud of herself, yeah. like so disingenuous, so though. Disingenuous. Like, like she's just sitting there, like she thinks she's asking these questions, like like she has some hidden talent too. <laughs> Tap into people's emotions that no one else does, like police.
0: If you were a tweet what kind of tweet would you be?
1: Yeah. You know, <laughs> to... But
0: uh, all right, Ron, it was great talking to you, man. If you, if you, you if you ever want to come on again, you could be the third host.
1: Thanks for having me. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> I'd love to host. I don't know who. How would that work? Skype. Yeah, but how? How? What would my duties be as a host? Where?
0: <laughs>
1: just, you know, instead of a laugh track you have a swear track. motherfucker <laughs> Motherfucker! that would actually you should do that you should do it that. that's a great yeah you should do like a, a track where you know points get made in your interviews and somebody just comes in with that like hits a button
0: Motherfucker. But right now I can't do it because you're here. You see, it happened again.
2: Motherfucker. <laughs> see, we can get a little quick, quick sound clip from you, Sand. Just give me credit. True. Yeah, All we need is a little sound clip from you, Sand. You're listening to the motherfucking true stories based on fiction podcast. <laughs>
1: great man that's a great idea you gotta color it up keep coloring it up like that and you'll be uh you know you're good to go get people to listen I, I don't know how many listeners you have but I'm sure you have some, I have some. right
0: but I, I will tell you the wrong some <laughs> so. <laughs> um, on on the interviews because, because we're so uh we're sus. So, master I- interviewers we we are as uh, as vulgar as we typically are you
1: guys actually you guys are I-, I will say this you guys are good interviewers
0: i told you from the get-go Ron, remember I told you it's gonna be the best no, you're
1: good you're guys ask good questions and you can you know I talk a lot I you know I don't normally talk this much I for some reason I feel like I was talking a lot but today
0: well, they'd rather hear
1: you yeah. it's good yeah yeah it's good so you guys you guys are great
0: I definitely appreciate that but like I told you Ron I, I vowed to give the best Ron Garney interview in the history of Ron Garney interviews
1: in the history <laughs> <laughs> I've done a few so I'm gonna have to listen to them all and see where you rank but I think it's up oh, there
0: see and now and now now I'm crying tears <laughs> to joy <laughs> the best all right well alright Ron so uh if you're ever interested we'll definitely have you on again maybe when you actually no the next project we covered a quarter of your 30 year career.
1: We so got a lot more covered. You guys are great. I mean, I appreciate it very much. Um, talk to you Thank you, Rodney. So Have a good day, man. Okay. You too. Bye.